Welcome to the New England Football Journal podcast. I'm John Serenitas, and as always, I'm joined by me, my, what are you these days? Are you my co-host? Are you no, my fellow? I don't know what, I don't know how to, I need to figure out a way to name you, Stone. What should I call you? You, you know I'm easy. You tell me. I'll go with it. <laughs> I like that you're acknowledging you're easy. How about <laughs> I call you, how about I just call you the main man, Kevin Stone? Kevin hey, Stone is joining us, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on, Kevin? How are you? Nothing, man. Nothing. How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Let's just jump right into this. Uh, I'm going to start with the opening drive. I am not a fan of the disdain locally for Cam Newton. I don't like it. I don't know why people are, are hating on, on him. Mm -hmm. it, it really bothers me because, look, if, if you have an issue with his flamboyant attire, if you have an issue with him pointing after every first down or the Superman thing when he scores a touchdown – Fine, I get it. But this mentality that my quarterback here in New England isn't going to act that way, that's a bunch of BS. Grow the mm -hmm. hell up. He's not Tom Brady. He, he He's never going to be Tom Brady, okay? Nor should he be. He's his own guy, his own quarterback. So I, I don't understand this disdain for Cam Newton. It really bothers me. It, it's, it's borderline curmudgeon-ish, if that makes any sense. You know, I, I feel yeah. like – my buddies who are all around my age are like, yeah, I don't like him. I'm like, what, what are you, 20 years older than you really are? Get right. over yourself. If the guy stays healthy and he can play, and based on what we saw Sunday, he mm. can play, he's going to help this football team win games, and they're going to stay relevant and in the title picture. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't care what he wears in pregame. I don't care what he wears in postgame. I don't care that he points after a first down. I don't care that he does the Superman or the Black Panther. Whatever the hell he does, the mm -hmm. bottom line is if he's playing at a high level and he's producing, he's the Patriots quarterback, he's my quarterback, I'm down with Cam Newton. I'm with you, man. I don't get it either. And um, after Sunday, look, that suit wasn't that bad, first of all. <laughs> right. Um, so what? He wore a yellow well, suit. Big deal. He could pull it off. The guy could pretty much wear anything and pull it off. Hell, I can't pull that off. So Neither can no, I. That, that shouldn't matter. So um, I'm with you. It looked like a squash. <laughs> Um, I don't know what the hell I would look like. Maybe a little beat. Um, but, but, no, I mean, again, it's – look, the way you played Sunday, that's all I care about, man. It, yeah. it, it wasn't pretty, and I know we're going to get into it, but um, it wasn't pretty, but it was effective. So he wins games. I don't care what he does. And I think Belichick feels the same way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's part of the reason when you, when you look at some of the things that he's saying – he's pretty comfortable here and they're pretty comfortable with him. They, they're comfortable with him being himself. And and that's Bill Belichick. There's a reason why a lot of guys that have had reputations of being difficult teammates and guys to coach in, in other situations around the league have come here and thrived. Why? Because Bill Belichick is a guy who, despite the fact that he drives a hard bargain and the expectations are high here, he also lets guys be themselves. He's not this suffocating presence that, that, that he has this reputation of. I think he's a guy who, as long as you're doing what you're supposed to, doing your job, as, as cliche as that is, yeah. as long as you're doing your job and, and, and upholding your end of the bargain, he's going to let you be yourself. He's not going to tell Cam Newton, you know what, Cam, I, I'm not really down with the, with the wonky fedora hat and the yellow suit. You might want to scale back. I'm expecting more of a run-of-the-mill suit. In time. He's not going to get into that. As yeah. long as the guy can play at a high level and win in football games, that's all Belichick cares about. Yeah, and just look at the social media, too. I mean, how many Patriots have we seen, you know, be as kind of up-to-date, I guess, to say, you know, with social media as Cam has? Um, not that yeah. I can remember anything. He's got a banging Insta account. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so so what's your opening uh, drive? Yeah, um, the high school stuff that we're doing. Um, we sent a tweet out. I don't even remember what day it was now. Either Thursday or Friday. Um, the response was <laughs> or overwhelming. Or probably Saturday. Um, the response was overwhelming, which was awesome. Um, we're going to be trying to get, you know, a high school feature every week. Um, we should be playing football right now. And uh, we think it's important to, you know, make sure high school football stays relevant this time of year. So, um, again, we're going to be trying to get to every program. And I know you're going to be trying to talk to um, a lot of coaches as well. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I'm glad you brought it up, Kevin. We we we're overwhelmed with the response. It's awesome, and I promise you, we're gonna get to each coach that reached out to us. Okay, we're we're gonna interview all of you because we're firm believers in high school football. I spent the majority of my coaching career, 25 plus years, as a high school coach. Kevin, you spent the the past 12 years covering high school football. 
the way I see it, this is a big part of what we do. And yeah. and if we can use our platform to promote the game and promote programs in Massachusetts and even in Rhode Island, we're going to do that. And, and so I think it's important to us that we do that. So to all the coaches who reached out to us, I promise you, we're going to get you in that coaches chat. Uh, we're going to talk about your programs through, you know, through Kevin's feature. We're going to promote high school football because a lot of us right now are pretty down about the fact that we don't have it in our lives. Mm -hmm. But if we can try to get it to a place where we're doing a weekly feature and a weekly interview, that'll at least make it feel like high school football is still a part of our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's all we're trying to do. All right, let's just jump into it with the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you mentioned earlier that it wasn't pretty and it wasn't. They grinded out a 21-11 to 11 win over the revamped Miami Dolphins. I think you hit the nail on the head, man. These are not your 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 daddy's Patriots. These aren't your older brother's Patriots. This is going to be a different team. This is going to be the team, by the way, that we've been saying they're going to be all along, which is a, a heavy 11, 21, 22 personnel team. They're going to run the football, and they're going to try to be as balanced as they can. Now, here's the thing. I was very pleased with Cam Newton, and we're going to get into that momentarily, but I was pleased with this team's performance overall, Kevin. I thought they played well in all three phases, mm -hmm. aside from folks missed 45-yard field goal, but I thought they played pretty well on special teams. I thought with the exception of a couple of penalties on Gilmore, they played pretty well defensively. And again, there's not much you could say about Cam Newton. 230 total yards of offense. Mm -hmm. That was a pretty good debut. If you're a Patriots fan, you got to be happy after this one. Yeah, and it's funny. We talked about um, Saturday in our preseason show – uh, it's going to look very 2001-ish, and that's exactly what it did. You know, with a little twist, uh, the RPO thing is something, you know, we haven't seen here for 20 years. But uh, the running game, the the short passing, uh, I don't think Cam threw the, the ball downfield, you know, more than 15, 20 yards maybe. Um, so it definitely looked all one-ish. But, um, yeah, it's hard not to be impressed. And um, the biggest thing that stood out to me was the drive after Miami made it 14-11. Um, they had the, the Edelman penalty, you know, to start that drive, but um, Cam marched them right downfield, had that fourth down conversion. Um, that's a big boy drive in a in a tough spot when Miami had momentum. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. yeah and, 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 so, no, it spoke volumes, that's all. Yeah. No, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and let's just move on to Cam and his performance. Look. Mm -hmm. That this is this is so radically different for Patriots fans, right? They're not used to this. This isn't Tom Brady. This isn't what we're used to seeing around here for the last 20 years when our quarterback has been a pocket passer. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Patriots fan, that, that's how you're looking at this. Now all of a sudden they're coming out and they're running power read, which was their, arguably their best running play of the day. They're running power read with Cam Newton, and then they come back and they run zone read. It, it it really to me it was refreshing to be honest yeah. with you and I'm not I'm not going to be a, a Brady hater I love the guy I think he's he's on the Mount Rushmore Boston sports greatest quarterback of all time this is by no means a knock on Tom Brady but it was nice to see someone else play quarterback for them and it was nice to see Josh McDaniels creativity at work here because. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of – this is a big year for him too, and it hasn't been talked about enough in my opinion, Kevin. Yeah. He needs to prove that he can win without Tom Brady because yeah. that's been a knock on him, that his success – because when you look at what he did in Denver, when you look at his one year in St. Louis's offensive coordinator where the Rams only averaged 11 points a game, many people have said, well, let's see how good a coordinator Josh McDaniels is now that Tom Brady's gone. Well, I think he acquitted himself pretty well on Sunday. I think their passing game still has a lot of work, but – Again, as I mentioned earlier, you couldn't help but be impressed with Cam Newton, and you couldn't help but be impressed with this game plan. Yeah, it's funny. I think I tweeted out, what was it, the second play of the game or the second offensive play? It was, a, it was an RPO for Cam, and it was like, holy crap, it's already here. Um, so, yeah, McDaniels was uh, – it was impressive, to say the least. He's had, what, you know, four real weeks to get, you know, to Cam – or to get Cam up to speed, so – um, yeah, McDaniels was very impressive. I thought Cam's patience was impressive too. Um, between the RPOs, he holds that ball in there for a really long time. It is terrifying to watch. Well, um, he does. He does. And and I think it's important to understand that, look, this is a guy who's played the spread his whole career. Mm -hmm. So from, from a concept standpoint, that mesh and riding that mesh and reading the defender, I mean, that's that's he can do that in his sleep. That's second nature yeah. to him. And, and like I said, I think – 
one of the things that really impressed me was, and, and this has, of course, been talked about since, how much are they going to run him? But but remember now, when you're running power read, when you're running zone read, when you're running these plays where they're option plays in essence, your quarterback may hand it more than he keeps it. And so the look was there for him to pull it and keep it, and that's why he ultimately ran the ball 15 times. He, yeah. He's probably not going to do that next week. Now, if you're talking about man gap blocking schemes and and direct direct snap run plays where he just catches it and he goes, yeah. that should count as a as a true rush for Cam Newton. Right. But a lot of these these zone reads and power reads, again, it depends on the look they're getting and whether or not he decides to ride it or and give it or ride it and take it. So yeah. it, it's it was a lot of fun to watch. Now, real quick. I, before we get into the, the Patriots defense, mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the passing game. It, it was not very good. He threw for 155 yards, which you wouldn't think watching that no. game. But again, to me, and, and I've been I've been hesitant to say this, Kevin, because I, I admittedly am a Belichick defender. Mm-hmm. There, there's a real lack of talent there. You're relying on a 34-year-old Julian Edelman. He played 37 snaps. You're relying on Nikhil Harry, who, quite frankly, outside of one drive, continues to look lost. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, it's too early to judge the young tight ends. But outside of that, they don't really have anything else at receiver. And, and I think it's kind of scary. It is. And so I think I talked to you about this on Sunday. The lack of separation from the receivers was yeah. glaring. It was terrifying to see, um, it, especially on replays. Like, even when they would zoom in, you know, on, let's say, crossing routes, the lack of speed for for Harry, well, really for anybody, even Edelman, I thought, looked slow. Um, so that's terrifying. And um, I know we're going to get into Seattle in a little bit. They gave up 450 yards passing last week. The Patriots should be able to take advantage of that. I don't you think would they think, can. right. Yeah, but I don't think they can. And that's scary. So um, the offense is not sustainable, but it was nice to see, again, something different. Well, you mentioned that they should take advantage of it, and Seattle, I think, is going to give them a heavy dose of eight-man fronts, mm-hmm. and they're going to play a lot of cover three. Yep. And if they do play cover three and those corners are loose, you've got to be able to consistently throw a hitch out there. You've got to be able to hit, you know, run curl flat, run your comeback routes. You've got to be able to do those things against a look like that. And right now, given where this passing game is, I'm not sure they can. I mean, yeah. again – I, I can't believe he threw 100 for 155 yards. When I saw that number, I was floored because I'm like, yeah. to who? Who the hell did he throw the ball to for 155 yeah. yards? It, there's no question that their passing game has to get better. And in many ways, look, I think this team's going to run the football well all year. The problem is going to be, can they complement this running game and get teams off their back, mm-hmm. get teams from – prevent teams, if you will, from stacking the box and playing those eight-man fronts. But, boy, if they can't consistently throw the football to a point where they can get more seven, six- and seven-man fronts and get some more honest looks, yeah. it's going to be tough to run them, man. You're going to be beating your head against the wall if you're them, and that, and that's no and, – and, and I know as a coach that's not easy. Now let's talk about the performance of the defense. They were terrific. I mean, really, other than that one drive that they gave up, uh, they, there was probably more than there was a couple of drives here at the end of the second half part. Of, uh, I'm sorry, end of the first half, beginning yeah. of the second half. Miami had a couple of good drives here, but overall, I was pretty impressed with this defense. What what the Belichick's did when you consider how thin they are at linebacker, the way they were able to mix and match their pieces mm-hmm. and and maximize that secondary, you can't help but be impressed. This defense looks like they're going to be as good as they were last year. Yeah, what stood out to me was the tackling. You know, we had talked between college and, and the NFL. Coaches have been harping on it all preseason. They were terrified about tackling. I thought it was pretty good. Um, there was yeah, never considering that they haven't really done any in practice. Right, and I think that was the biggest thing for them. Um, now, granted, Miami is not the toughest test in the world, and um, we can't really, you know, gauge the game very much on, you know, what Miami presented them. But, um, yeah, I thought it was impressive, and – that secondary is basically what we thought. Uh, my guy Chase was flying around in the backfield um, for a lot of the game. So uh, I'm still very high on him. And Uche not playing was a little bit, you know, worrisome. But, yeah. yeah they uh, basically scratched him so that they can create roster flexibility for the offensive line. Yeah. But overall, I thought, again, 
like you said, it's hard not to be impressed with with how they looked it. Now this week's going to be a much bigger challenge, but um, for not having a preseason, it looked pretty good. Yeah, you mentioned this week, and let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks. They're coming off a 38-25 win over the Atlanta Falcons. It was a shootout. Uh, at, uh, Russell Wilson threw four touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. Look, here's the thing. I think when you look at the Seahawks team, I'm not sure they get the level of respect that they should. No. They could very well be the best team in the NFC, and the NFC is pretty wide open. I mean, Green Bay offensively looked pretty good on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona goes out and wins in San Francisco. They look pretty good. Uh, the Cowboys were the Cowboys. Here I am saying I'm bullish on them, and they go out to L.A. and lay an egg. But um, but this Seattle team is very good. Now, you're not going to have to contend with the quote-unquote 12th man. The yeah. crowd will not be a factor in this game. But crowd aside, on paper, this Seattle team is better than the Patriots. Now, I think it is going to be strength on strength because while Seattle fancies themselves as being a balanced offense, I think that they throw the football better than they run the football right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's going to help the Patriots because they can match up on the outside. I would imagine you're going to get a lot of Gilmore on Metcalf for most of that game. But you brought this up early earlier, Kevin, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's going to be their ability to throw the football in this game that I think could determine whether or not they win or lose this game. Mm-hmm. They have got to be able to exploit that secondary. The Falcons did. Now, mind you, the Falcons also have a much better receiving core than the Patriots yeah. do. Right. But they have got to find a way to create matchups and exploit that Seattle secondary because it is vulnerable, and the Patriots could make some big plays in the passing game mm-hmm. if they can get it going early. Yeah, I mean, again, what stood out to me, 450 yards for Atlanta. So, again, they do have Julio Jones. They have, you know, Calvin Ridley. I get it. But um, they're not going to allow Cam Newton to run the ball like Miami did. Pete Carroll is not one of the dumb coaches in this league. Although the Super Bowl would say otherwise, but he's one right. of the best. He's a terrific defensive coach. Yeah. You make a good point. Yeah, so he, he's that's not going to happen. It's not going to be a repeat of the Miami game. Cam is not going to be able to run the ball that easily. They're going to have to move the ball down the field through the air. That's scary. Um, again, the the lack of separation from those receivers, you're going up against a much better defense this week. Um, so I don't like their chances. But, again, if now if by some stroke of luck they are able to run the ball that much, well, great. Then, you know, I trust Medianos to, to get even more creative. But um, I don't see how that's possible. I think it's all through the air for them or nothing this week. Yeah, and again, I, I I think they're going to be able to run the football. I mean, Seattle's front is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Bobby Wagner. You, you know, you've you've got um, you've got Bobby Wagner, and you've got Jaron Reed in the middle of that defense. I mean, that's a pretty good front. But yeah. that being said, I, I I do think that the Patriots are going to have some success running the football. Not that it matters because the crowds aren't going to be there, but Cam Newton has won there before with the Panthers. He's had He has had success there before. He relishes playing in a place like that. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be up for this game. But, but I do agree with you from the standpoint that they're going to have to throw the football more effectively than they did this week. Mm-hmm. Because, again, inevitably, Seattle's going to scheme you up. They're going to scheme up that power read. They're going to scheme up the zone read. They're going to scheme up the direct snap runs to Newton the zone runs, the man gap runs. You're not going to get that quarterback stretch like you did this week. You're not fooling Pete Carroll and and Ken Norton Jr. with that stuff. So they're going to have to be more creative in the passing game in in terms of using perimeter screens and maybe even a couple of gadgets. You're going to need to do those things this week because this Seattle defense doesn't pressure a lot, but they play really well in all three levels. They're well coached and they're disciplined. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for this Patriots offense. Now let's shift gears here now and talk about old friend Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady and his Tampa Bay Buccaneers dropped a 34-23 decision to Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. I'm going to let you go first here, my friend. What were your yeah. overall thoughts on Brady's performance and the performance of the Buccaneers? So the offensive line is going to get him killed, um, which is something we've Fair been, point. We've been saying it for years here, um, and it looked very similar to the way it's looked for the past, I don't know, two or three years. So um, that's the first problem he's going to deal with. The second thing that stood out to me was Bruce Arians. Um, he not only ripped Brady after the game on Sunday, but he doubled down to die yesterday, um, saying, you know, calling out 
I think it was his grit and determination is what he called out. We've heard a lot of things, you know, called out about Tom Brady in his career. Grit and determination has never been one of them. Um, so that could be a train wreck uh, a lot sooner than people thought it might be or could be. Uh, so it's it's funny that you say that because I look say what you will about his relationship with Bill Belichick. I can't recall too many times in the last 20 years. In fact, I can't recall one yep. where Belichick has come out and put a loss on Tom Brady or or implied that, you know what, we lost because of Tom Brady. Now, Bruce Arians didn't mince words here. He came out on Sunday and called him out. And then to your point, he doubles down yesterday. And, and if I'm Tom Brady, this is concerning to me because as hard as it was to play for Bill Belichick, and as much as it got tiresome at the end, mm. he never threw you under the bus in public. He might have been on you privately. He might have called you in his, into his office and chewed you out. And, mm. and, and he may have put losses on Brady. We don't know what goes on behind mm. the scenes. But he never did it publicly. And for Bruce Arians to do this, it got me thinking. And I want to get your take on this. Did you get the sense that maybe Bruce Arians is doing this because in Bruce Arians' eyes, maybe he wasn't fully 100% on bringing in Tom Brady. Maybe this was Jason Light's idea and ownership liked it and he kind of went along with it? So I don't think it's that. Um, again, now that we know Brady chose Tampa over Chicago, and I think we heard New Orleans at one point too. Um, so I think, I think Arians wanted him. Um, again, he's the quote unquote quarterback whisperer. So I think he probably Which is the dumbest term in football, by the way, because what 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 the frig does a quarterback whisperer do? Does it no. do they walk up to the quarterback and be like, throw the ball to this guy? Yeah. It's it's so oh. stupid. I, I, I can't stand term. It's like weapons. Weapons drives me nuts. That's yeah. also another dumb football term, but I digress. Continue. <laughs> um, no, I, I do think Arians wanted to work with him. Um, but now if you if you're Brady. Look, you left New England because your coach wouldn't openly praise you. Now your coach is openly ripping you immediately yeah, following the game. And like you said, look, anytime the Patriots ever lost, it was we all need to be better. Whether it, No matter what Belichick said, he never called a player out that I can remember in 20 years. He never called an individual player out in a press conference. Um, and I wrote about this today. Arians did it after the first game. So, look, that thing has train wreck written all over it now. Um, Gronk, I was stunned at how slow he looked. Now, Brady looked good. I don't think most of it wasn't his fault. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you can blame Arians and Leftwich for that. That The pick six, it's easy to say, why are you asking a 43-year-old quarterback to make a left hash to the right sideline thrown? That's right. a very good question because that's a tough throw for Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. But – the bottom line is, obviously, Tom Brady's been on board with this. Look, it's no secret that one of the issues that could arise in this relationship is Bruce Arians playing to Tom Brady's strengths. Bruce Arians has a certain way he wants to throw the football. And as we all know, he loves pushing it down the field. You know, the risk it for the biscuit yeah. BS. That doesn't necessarily fit Tom Brady's style anymore. Now, I still think Tom Brady is pretty effective throwing the football inside the hashes vertically. But I think when you start asking him to hang hitch multiple times and throw that football outside the hashes on a deep comeback or on a deep curl or even on a deep dig coming in, that that's that's a big ask at this point in his career. It's got to be stuff. If he's going to throw it outside the hashes, it's got to be 5 to 20 yards. You can't ask him to go deeper than that and, and because – well, he, he fools you, right, because he throws a nice yeah. fade ball, and you think, what the hell is this guy talking about? He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's talking out of his ass. Yeah. That's not my point. Anybody can throw a fade ball. I could try you out there and mm -hmm. teach you how to place a fade ball, and you could probably throw a 20, 25 yards. My point, is, yeah, my point is that on a route like the one where he threw the pick, yeah. that's where he gets exposed outside the hashes. So it'll be interesting to see – if Arians is willing to continue to play ball, because I thought one of the things that he said about Brady that was pretty telling is he looked good at practice, but he yeah. certainly didn't look good in the game. That's that's uh, that's pretty damning, if you ask me. Now, one other thing I want to point out is 
Brady looked pretty miserable after the game in his press conference. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they lost. He's a competitive guy. He's probably the greatest competitor of all time. Mm -hmm. But part of me wonders if that, again, I, I'm not trying to stir the pot here. I'm just simply throwing well, some stuff out there. But part of me wonders if that expression on his face isn't just because they lost, mm -hmm. but because maybe some stuff was said on the sideline. Maybe yeah. some stuff has been said off the field. I think there's more to this than just he's pissed that they lost. So I've heard a few people bring this up, and I don't know if you noticed it. For 20 years, every time he came off the field, he sat next to McDaniels. I didn't see anybody talking to him on the sidelines. Not Leftwich. Not Leftwich sitting with him. No, so that's kind of um, something to watch too. Well, communication is going to be key. The guy just got there. I I'm stunned that no one's sitting next to him immediately after he steps off the field. So um, there's some weird stuff going on there already, and it kind of feels like you know as more and more comes out that maybe he really didn't want to go there, but he just left because he hated it here so bad. Um, it's almost as if he settled. And they had the requisite pieces, and they were willing to give yeah. him the requisite money. Again, the other thing is let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. It's yeah. early. You're talking about a unique offseason where you didn't have mini camps, you didn't have OTAs, uh, training camp was different. He really hasn't had as much time as he needs to not only learn the offense and, and get the terminology down, but also get in sync with his teammates. So I think that – that's probably more of a factor than anything else for the way they performed offensively. I still think big picture, they're going to be fine. Yeah. But but here's the thing. I will leave you with this. Bruce Arians has this reputation of being this lovable coach around the league. I work with someone who played for him at Temple, and he's not surprised by any of this. He, he has told me on numerous occasions, if you think he's a hard ass now, he was 10 yeah. times worse when we played for him at Temple in the 80s. So, He's not this lovey-dovey, kangle-wearing, uh, liberal-minded guy who hires women on his staff. What, what the perception of him is and who he is, I think, are two different things. And I think you're seeing a side of him that if they don't win consistently, I'm not sure Tom Brady's going to like that side of Bruce Arians. But in any event, let's let, let's move on here. Let's uh, Let's move on to the college ranks. Let's talk about your boy, your man crush. Jeff Affley. <laughs> Jeff Affley and his Boston College Eagles, finally. It seems like we've been waiting forever. Yeah. They finally kick off this Saturday at Duke, noon kickoff. This is an interesting game, Kevin, because BC, I believe, is the underdog. They're the early underdog going into this one. Six points? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Um, Duke is a team that I think a lot of people like, and I think that – they like them because Chase Bryce comes over for Cle from Clemson. They've got some really nice pieces. Chris Rump, the second at defensive end on defense. They've got a couple of couple of their primary targets are local kids and Jake yeah. Bobo and Noah Gray from uh, Belmont Hill and Lemonster, respectively. This is a good football team, and we know David Cutcliffe can coach, and he gets a lot out of his kids considering the academic standards at Duke. But I'm going to tell you right now, and, and I think people are going to think we're being honks because we're, we're a New England uh, uh, blog and, and podcast, but I like BC's chances in this game. I didn't see anything from Duke on Saturday against Notre Dame that would suggest that BC can't go down there and take care of business by more than one score, by the way. Yeah, so the only thing that surprised me was how close that game was um, against Notre Dame. Now, I don't know if you think that's more so – Notre Dame playing down to Duke, or I don't think it's yeah. Notre Dame playing down to Duke. To be honest with you, I I don't think Notre Dame's that good. Okay, I know that they're they I know that they're beloved nationally. Yeah, and they're and I believe they were tenth in the country, but I I don't I'm not that impressed with 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 Notre Dame. I mean I I don't see the love affair with Ian Book for one. Mm -hmm. uh, their offensive line is really good, like Boston College. They 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 bring back a lot of experience yeah. up front, but. They, I think they graduated too many quality pieces. To, they, they've lost too many pieces, either their graduation or the, or the NFL draft from last year, that I just can't see them replacing. So I think it's it's more of a product of the fact that Notre Dame's not as good as the national media thinks they are, and Duke is 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 pretty good. They, they've got some talent. Um, now, having said all that, I'm with you. I think BC, they, they're not going to roll, but I do think they should win the game. Um, again, it's, it's one of those things where – 
you know, we didn't see any of the Patriots in preseason. We didn't know what to expect. We've only gone off Zoom meetings with coaches. So we think that BC has all this speed and, and all this talent. But, you know, obviously we're not going to know until we see it against Duke. So um, I think Chase Bryce is a nice early test for this defense. Um, and then the offense, look, you know, I'm, I can't wait to see what, you know, they do. And in particular, what Frank Signetti has, you know, kind of up his sleeve for this offense. He's worked with a ton of creative people and um, he has a ton of experience. So, look, man, it's it's all in their hands now. And uh, I can't wait to see what they have on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, their offense is, is what I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing the most. I mean, we know what they have up front with Zion Johnson and Alec Lindstrom and, uh, and, you know, and, and Vrabel and Petrullo. We know what they have up front in, in terms of the experience they return on that offensive line. You got Hunter Long at tight end. Yep. I think the biggest key for them, look, they're not announcing who their starter is going to be, but you got to feel, you, you, you got to think it's, it's Phil Jakovic. You got to think yeah. he's the guy. It's funny. Uh, so, yeah. sorry. Halfie brought that up today. He said, well, it still says or. So, um, you know, you guys got to find out at kickoff. So they're, not, they're holding it close to the vest. They're holding it close to the vest. And, yeah. and, and I like Jeff Halfley, but uh, stop <laughs> trying to pull the wool over my eyes or right. listen in my ear and tell me it's raining. Whatever analogy you want to use, it's Phil Jakovic. No offense cool. to Dennis Grossell. Did he do enough last year? I don't know what he's done in camp because we haven't had access other than whatever they right. put out. Yep. But I highly doubt that Dennis Grossell has done enough to beat a, a, a kid who was a four-star recruit with that size, that arm strength, mm-hmm. that that talent. Yep. I don't buy it. I think it's Phil Jakovic. Yeah. Grossell, here's the thing. They, they probably split their reps 60-40. Grossell could play Saturday for all we know. Who knows? But but I have a hard time believing pound for pound, talent for talent, that he's that he beat out Phil Jakovic. I don't believe that. But that being said, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what Frank Signetti and this offense do because mm-hmm. I think defensively they're going to be okay. They, they can't give up the amount of big plays they gave up last year. But I think offensively their running game, whether you liked Steve Adazio and the way they played football, that brand of football was based on running the football and being tougher than the other team and wearing them down. That was their identity. A lot of those same pieces are still there, Kevin. Yeah. So I'm curious to see can they find a way to bring to, to blend Signetti's passing game and those concepts mm-hmm. with a running game that still has a Steve Adazio feel to it with David Bailey in this offensive line. Yeah, and what else is interesting too is um the new transfer from Cal. I believe it's Luke Beckett, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um yeah. He, he met he met the media today. That's a big boy, man. So um he's gonna hop in and, and play for them, uh, I think right away for the most part. Oh, yeah, he's going to play a major role on that yeah, defense cool. the three technique. Uh, and then I'm also, also interested, um, Jeff Halfley comes over as a defensive back guy. So um, the DBs last year, man, they struggled. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. So uh, I'm interested to see kind of uh, what his impact on them is as well. So there's a ton of questions, but, uh, again, we both think that they're going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be better than people think. We've talked about this for the last few weeks, that the national media doesn't seem to to be as bullish on them as we are, but they also don't cover yeah. them like we do. We we know yeah. what they have there, and, and and the reason why I think now I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out on a limb here. I still think that this is a, a a six and five, five and you know six six and five, maybe seven and four if things bounce your way type of program right now. But they certainly that they, they they've laid a foundation that they can build on. But the reason why I'm so optimistic is what they've done in terms of the transfer portal and what they brought yeah. in. You mentioned their speed. You've got three legit dudes that can fly in Zay Flowers, Kobe White, and Jalen Gill. Those three guys are going to make an impact. And now all of a sudden, if you put those guys in an 11 personnel grouping with David Bailey and Hunter Long, that's a pretty nice skill group. Boston yeah. College offensively, with that offensive line, if they get any kind of consistent quarterback play, they're going to be able to score points with that group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, admittedly, their schedule is tough this year. Um, I was looking at it yesterday, actually. There's a lot of numbers besides certain teams, and I, I mean rankings by that. So um, it's not going to be easy, but again, speed kills. So, uh, and, and again, I love the idea of Signetti and, and the creativity that he can bring. So, the problem is speed's going to kill against certain programs. 
Yeah. You and I both know when you're playing Clemson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that speed that they're faster than you, so that no, advantage goes out the window. Yeah, no, of course. But uh, again, from everything we've seen and heard, man, they should compete in almost every game that they're in. Yes, on paper. I mean, ultimately, I think it's going to come down to what they get out of the quarterback position. If if yeah. Phil Jakovic is the guy and he plays up to his ability, that that they're gonna they're gonna surprise people. But if he struggles to pick up the offense and and he doesn't play well, and at some point they have to go to one of these other quarterbacks, yeah. then and then it could be a struggle early on. Listen, it's a new system. You got a lot of returning players on offense. It's a new system. It's been a unique offseason. There might be some growing pains on offense, but I think when you look at the, the system Signetti's going to run and what they have, if, if it all comes together, they could be pretty good. All right, let's go back to the NFL here. Let's do our picks. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to jump right into it. Let's start with the Thursday night game. Bengals at Browns. The Brownies, who, by the way, sucked a lot of AWS on Sunday in a 38-6 loss to the Ravens. Are favored by five and a half. What does Vegas hate the Bengals? What do you got in that one? Cincinnati. I don't know if you saw the end of that game um, on Sunday with Red Zone, but man, Joe Burrow looked like a a ten year vet. I'm a Game Pass guy, by the way. I thought I'd let you know. I like it. Um, I'm a Red Zone guy, but no, Joe Burrow. You know, end of the game, let his team down. No timeout. Should have won the game. AJ Green had the winning touchdown, and it got called back. So um, I think I, he's going to be good this year. I like Cincy. Yeah, I like Cincinnati, too. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow and the uh, Bengals as dogs in this one. Cleveland's a mess to me. Now, all of a sudden, there's speculation that OBJ wants out of town. Allen Robinson wants out of Chicago. I mean, receivers are – sometimes you wonder if they're even worth rostering. They are the epitome of debaggery in in, in pro sports. It's, It's all about them all the time, and it wears on you after a while. If I were them, ship them out. If he doesn't want to be there adios, especially if you're committed to Baker Mayfield. So real quick, you brought up the Diva receivers. A year ago today, Antonio Brown played for the Patriots against Miami. Carter's only touchdown. Isn't that something? Time flies. Yeah, time flies, and we have no idea what the hell he's doing these days. All right, the uh, Lions are in Green Bay to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The Packers are six-point favorites in this one. See, that's surprising to me. I thought Vegas would be a little bit more bullish on them, maybe maybe push them to at least seven, seven yeah. and a half. Um, I like Green Bay in this one. Look, I, I, I'm always critical of Rodgers and the Packers because I think the media loves them and it gets a free pass. But but when you lose a game like the Lions did last week, that, that hurts. It stings. Now, of course, if you remember last year, the Lions lost a tough one late to the Packers in Lambeau. There was a controversial – uh, Carl on Trey Flowers in that game. But when you look at this Detroit team, there's just something missing there. I don't buy Matt Patricia. I don't buy where they're at right now. And there's and I think there's a lot of pressure on them to win this year. It's a win or you're out type of scenario. You can't lose games like they did Sunday to Chicago. I'm going with Green Bay in this one. I think the Packers moved to 2-0. Yeah, with you. And you mentioned Patricia. I don't know if you heard his comment the other day about, you know, having the one play in the fourth quarter or, or whatever it was. So, um, he seems to be cracking already as well. And again, Detroit just choked against Mitch Trubisky. That's all I need to know. So um, give me Green Bay. All right. Yeah, you know, Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie Truebags. Mitchie Truebags could be turning a corner there, Stone. You, know, you never know. I mean, look, according to what's coming out of there, he beat, he beat Nick Foles out fair and square. So man, maybe he's turning a corner. Look, Mitch Trubisky will never get his just – his just do because he's always going to be compared to Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. It's yeah. always going to be what could have been with him. Yeah. And yeah. he could end up being a pro bowler this year and throw for, um, you know, 4,500 yards and 30 touchdown passes. And it's still going to be, yeah, but he's no Mahomes and Watson. So yeah. he's never going to get a fair shake. Anyhow, speaking of Mitchell Trubisky, the yeah. Chicago bears host Saquon Barkley and the New York giants on Sunday, Chicago is favored by six and a half. Who do you got in that one, Stoner? Actually, have the Bears. Ironically enough, um, after watching the Giants last night, uh, it's going to be a terrible game. I think it's going to be pretty ugly. But um, just give me the home team in that one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Chicago too. I, I think you know when you look at the Giants, they they played tough last night, but 
Daniel Jones throws that costly pick on a 19-play drive. Yeah. Their offensive line is not very good. I mean, I drafted Saquon Barkley in one of my leagues with the second overall pick, and I'm already regretting it. Uh, I think he, it's going to be tough sledding for him. He's going to struggle to get to 1,000 yards this season with that offensive line. They're not very good. Um, you know, I think they're better than people think at the skill positions. You got Slayton, you got Shepard, you got Ingram. But I think where they're going to struggle is up front on offense, and I don't think their defense, particularly on the back end, is very good. I'm with you. I like Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears. But I, here's the thing. I think they're going to win the game. But if I were picking this game, I would take the Giants as a dog here because I can't see Chicago winning this thing by more than a field goal. I, I still think it's going to be a tight game. Yeah. All right, you. next. Go ahead. Sorry, you cut out. You're with me? Okay. Yeah, right. Next, we have the Atlanta Falcons yeah. traveling to Dallas to play the Dallas Cowboys. The boys – are favored by four. I'm going to take Dallas in this one. I'm still bullish on them, despite the fact that Mike McCarthy passed up on a game-tying field goal that could have at least positioned them to play into overtime. And then when you're in overtime, you're the better team on paper. Maybe you pull it off. Um, they did have a couple of big injuries on Sunday night. Leighton Van Der Esch and Blake Jarwin, both gone. Jarwin's done for the year with a torn ACL. Van Der Esch, collarbone maybe he comes back at the end of the year yeah. um but despite all that i think that this game has a potential to be a high scoring affair i just think that dallas is a little better on defense and that's going to be the difference yeah i'm still high on them too i think i think we both might have had them in the super bowl this year um, or at least close to it so um yeah i like dallas because you you're because you're, oh. you're a brady honk you I, did, I added dallas as a caveat oh. but don't give me this. I think we both had Dallas BS. I'm calling you out, my friend. You picked Tampa last week. If you want me to run it back, I can't run it back right now, but I could down the road if you want me to. I was going to say, I know for a fact I had a Dallas and Pittsburgh, but um, no, yeah, I You had Tampa and Pittsburgh. Probably. Pittsburgh looks pretty good right now, by the way. I know. I do. I love them this year, but um, no, I do like Dallas. Um, the other night was just a kind of weird feeling game. Um, I still think they're really good offensively. Again, that the Van Der Esch injury. That's going to kill them in the middle, but I still think they have the talent. And um, you know better than anyone, Mike McCarthy, I think he's a better coach than what he showed the other night. I think he has to be. Um, so I, I still uh, like absolutely. that. Well, well yeah. I will say this, and I'm glad you brought him up. I, I think keeping Kellen Moore was a mistake. I think that they, they would be better off if he called the plays. I, I didn't like that he kept Kellen Moore. I was I didn't like it when he did it when he got hired. I think he did it to placate the Joneses. Mm. I don't think it makes any sense. I think he should be it should be his system. He should be the primary play caller, but he kept Moore, and I think that could end up being a problem for them this season. Yeah. Because it's not that I don't see the two of them being on the same page. I just don't think they are philosophically. Mm. I think McCarthy wants to play a different way. Uh, all right, next we have Titans and Jaguars. The Titans are hosting the Jaguars. Tennessee is favored by six. Who do you got in this one? Tennessee, Jacksonville, just kind of they, they got lucky last week against Indy. I think uh, I, I'm high on Tennessee this year. Uh, I also have them in both my survivor pools this week. So, um, like I'm pulling for them hard this week. I just think they're better than Jacksonville. It's their home opener, even with no fans. Um, I just think they're a better team overall. Look, here's the thing. I'm picking Tennessee, but if I were if I were betting on this game, I might take Jacksonville as a dog. The Jaguars are not. Everybody's pegging them as a team that's going to go one and fifteen, two and fourteen, maybe three and thirteen. I think they're going to be better than that. It would not surprise me if this team won six or seven games. As long as Gardner Minshew stays healthy and plays well, they've got a lot of nice young pieces on this team, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not kidding you when I say this. Okay, I, I I haven't you know I haven't had too much Robitussin and now I'm delusional. Okay, I'm dead serious when I say this. When you look at this roster, look at them offensively. You got DJ Shark, you got Chark, you got Lavisca Chenault. Who, by the way, not for nothing, go out and get him this week on your waiver wire because I think he's going to be a factor for them. You got Lavisca Chenault, you got Robinson at running back, and they still have two other backs in Armstead and Ozigbo that they really like. Tight end position, eh, I can live without Tyler Eifert and James O'Shaughnessy. But they've got some nice pieces, and they've got a veteran offensive line. And that defense has a lot of talent as well. And when you look at C.J. Henderson at quarterback, he, he looks to me right now like he's one of the 10 best corners in the league, and he's only played yeah. one game. 
So I think this team is better than people think. They're going to be well coached. I could see this team winning six, seven, maybe even eight games. So I do like Minshew. Um, I just don't know if I trust their defense. It feels like they've lost a lot of pieces over the past few years. Um, and again, they have, but here's the thing I will say. You're right, they have. But they yeah. still have Miles Jack. They signed Joe Schobert this offseason. Yeah. And and their defensive line doesn't have the name cachet it had a couple of years ago. Mm. But th this is a, still a pretty good group up front. And, and you also have Josh Allen coming off the edge. I mean, I think this is a defense that could surprise some people. Yeah, in that division too, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, just in terms of this week, Tennessee coming off of you know a big Monday night win on the road. I just like them at home. All right, next we've got Colts hosting the Vikings. Indy is favored by three, I believe. I'm 45 and need glasses, but I don't want to wear them on this thing because I look like a doofus. So who do you got in this one, Vikings or Colts? It's in Indy, and the Colts are favored by three. Are you trying to call me four eyes? Um, no. no. I'm not trying to call you anything. You look fine with glasses on. I look dumb. Uh, no, I, I like Indy here, and it's funny. I, I think last week we talked. I was high on Minnesota going in. I'm, I'm already jumping ship. Um, the other day was ugly, man. I just don't. I don't have a good feel about that team, and um, I still buy in on Philip Rivers a little bit, even though they did lose to Jacksonville last week. Um, I think they bounced back a little bit here, and uh, I, for some reason, I like Indy. Yeah, I agree with you. I, the Vikings have a lot of problems defensively, I mean, but that's to be expected. They lost a lot of talent yeah. on that side of the ball, too. I mean, you lose your two starting corners. Uh, you lose Linval Joseph. You lose Everson Griffin. Mm. That, that's a lot of guys that you have to replace. And the Packers, they weren't stupid. They knew that that's a young secondary. Let's go after those young corners yeah. and make them pay, and they did. And I kind of feel like, you know what? Indianapolis has the skill group to do the same thing to them. Now, Rivers is more likely to throw it to the other team than Aaron Rodgers is, but I'm with you. I like Indianapolis at home in this one to cover. They're only a three-point favorite. They should cover that number. Mm -hmm. All right, next we have the Buffalo Bills. They traveled to Miami to take on Brian Flores and the Dolphins. It's official, my friend. We are on Tua time. We're on Tua watch here, waiting to see when Tua Tagovailoa is going to be their starting quarterback. A while back, I predicted by week four, I'm going to stick to that number. They're going to give Fitz this week and maybe next, and if he continues to suck A-double-S, it's Tua time. Who do you got in this one? So I'm assuming you're picking Buffalo? Yeah, they're, well, they're favored by six and a half, and this yeah. is another one of those games, Kevin, where I think they're going to win, but if I were actually betting this game, I might not take them. I might yeah. I might take Miami as the dog. Yeah, so I'm with you here. It's Just looking at it, it looks and feels weird. Um, for some reason, I want to pick Miami, but after watching the defense on Sunday, I have to pick Buffalo. Uh, look, I know the Bills beat the Jets, but again, it's, it's it's just it has a weird feel, that early season feel to me. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Miami wins in you know a 17-10 kind of ugly way. But um, give me Buffalo here. All right, next we have the 49ers at the Jets. San Francisco is favored by seven. Uh, the Jets are a mess. And, and it, I'm curious to see how much longer Adam Gase gets because it, it, I think their roster has a long way to go, but I don't think he helps matters either. I like San Francisco on this one. They bounce back. I think they win big. They win by at least two scores. So I actually like the Jets here for two reasons. One, San Fran's receivers are absolutely depleted right now. Um, I think they just signed Sanu today, actually. Um, so, again, and uh, West Coast team coming east. Um, I don't necessarily trust Jimmy G right now with no one to throw to. Kittle's hurt. I don't know if he's going to play. Um, for I, I like the Jets here. Again, it's going to be ugly, but um, and I don't trust Adam Gase at all. Um, but I do like the Jets in this one. Yeah, you know, I could see why you would think that, especially with Kittle's injury and the fact that they're depleted at receiver. But Kyle Shanahan is one of the three best offensive coaches in football. He does a tremendous job of using all of the pieces at his disposal. You saw it against Arizona. I mean, you know, he he he's using all three of those backs to his disposal. You got a guy like Raheem Mostert. He has a 75-yard touchdown catch uh, on the old West Coast Texas route, or it's called the blade route. I mean, mm -hmm. he will use the pieces he has. I think he finds a way to do that this week against a Jets defense that's not very good. Obviously, they're playing without Mosley. Um, you know, they, they, they traded Jamal Adams. They, they've had to replace a lot. 
But I don't think it's going to matter. I just think San Francisco, even with their receiver situation and Kittle maybe not playing, I think they're better. All right, next we have Rams at Eagles. Philadelphia is favored by a point, I believe. Um, you know what? When I look at this one, the Rams were pretty impressive Sunday night, and that's a big win for them. I think this team, especially on offense, is a lot better than people think. There's a lot more skill there than people think. Philadelphia, to me, I mean, how do you bounce back after giving up 27 unanswered and choking against the Washington – Washington, we'll say. Yeah. I'm not calling them the football team. That drives me nuts. Of course they're the football team. They're in the freaking NFL. But anyway, I'm, I'm taking the Rams in this one as a road doggy. I think they come east and – despite the fact that they're playing three hours behind, I think they beat Philadelphia in this one. So this kind of has the same feel to me um, as that Jets San Fran game. I'm actually going to go with Philly. Um, I think it's kind of probably going to be right. <laughs> um, I just think it's kind of a bounce back, you know, situation for them. The Rams are still flying high off that win. Um, again, another West Coast team coming East. It just has that, uh, not necessarily a trap game, uh, but I do think Philly bounces back here. All right, next we have Denver at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is favored by seven and a half. What do you got in that one? Pitt. They were good the other night, and uh, I think they're going to be one of, if not the best team in the AFC this year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, that that's not being bullish. That's being ridiculous, my friend. You know, I like you and respect you, but you really think they're going to be better than Kansas City and Baltimore? I don't. I think they'll be better. Baltimore. But I'm not sure I'd put them in. I wouldn't call them the best team in the AFC. Baltimore, yes, Kansas City, no. Um, I just, I think, I think Big Ben still has a couple really good years left, uh, and I think that defense might be very underrated. So, um, I think they're going to get Baltimore. I agree with that. I agree I with that. I think they get Baltimore a run for that division. Oh, I agree with that as well. I just think Kansas City's better than both of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here. Uh, you mentioned their defense. Their defense played really well last yeah. night. Now, again, I think the Giants have a lot of problems along their offensive line. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Jones is still learning to play the position at this level. I mean, yeah. the talent is there, and he makes big plays at times, but you, but as you saw in the, at the end of that 19-play drive, mm -hmm. he also is prone to making a big mistake. Uh, you could say the same thing about Drew Locke in Denver. He makes a lot of wild plays, but then he'll make that one play that makes you scratch your head. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately Denver's got too many injuries. I think they're banged up. Uh, they may be getting Cortland Sutton back this week. That would help, but then they may be playing without Philip Lindsay, who has turf toe. Uh, but I like Pittsburgh in this one. But this is another one that if I were betting, I might take Denver as a dog here because seven and a half is a pretty big number. And yeah. if Denver gets Cortland Sutton back and their defense plays as well as they did last night, they might be a they might be a nice little doggy to take here if you're if you're betting the number. Mm -hmm. All right, next we have Carolina coming off a 34-31 loss to the Las Vegas Raiders, traveling to Tampa to play old friend Thomas Edward Brady and the Buccaneers. I'm going to take Tampa in this one. I think the Buccaneers bounce back. I think this game has a potential to be a shootout. Tampa's favored by six. Who do you got in this one? Same. And for, for the exact reasons you just said, I think it's a bounce back game. Uh, I do think it's high scoring. I don't think Carolina's defense is nearly as good as it's been in the past few years. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. It's a shootout, and I think Brady bounces back. Yeah, I think he bounces back. I think Arians praises him after the game. I think Gronk gets involved offensively. I think it's just one giant-ass kumbaya fest in Tampa. All right, next we have Washington, not the football team, Washington traveling to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, and the high-flying Cardinals. See what I did there? Who do you like in this one? Arizona's favored by six and a half. Cardinals, man, they were good last week, and – um, we talked about it even before the season started. Colin Murray might be the MVP talk by the end of the year. So, yeah, uh, especially yeah. with Hopkins, you know, on that team now. So, um, I like Arizona probably in a blowout, actually. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to pick Arizona, too. But but this Washington team, to me, showed a lot of resolve, scoring 27 unanswered and coming back to beat a pretty good Philadelphia team mm -hmm. at home. You know, I watched that game yesterday, and I think when you – when I went back and watched it, the, the one takeaway I had, there's talent there. I mean, that defensive front, that front four, in my opinion, is yeah. the best in football. Yeah. Uh, when, pound for pound, when we're talking about talent, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, 
You also have Ryan Kerrigan who plays in sub packages. Mm -hmm. That front is nasty with a capital N. That front's going to – I think they're going to give Kyler Murray some problems. I think this is going to be a closer game than people think. I like Arizona, but I'm telling you right now, this Washington team with Ron Rivera battling cancer, there's some talent there. He's changing the culture. That They're playing without a nickname. They have a lot to play for, and this is a team that I think is going to rise to the occasion and play a lot better than people think. I would not be surprised. We're only going into week two here. But I would not be surprised when the dust settles at the end of the season if they weren't a playoff team in the NFC. I I know that that may seem a little far-fetched, but this team looks hungry and motivated. All right, next we have Chiefs at Chargers. Kansas City is favored by, I believe, eight and a half. What do you got in this one? Sounds right. And give me KC. I just don't think um, that Charger offense can keep up. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, look, Kansas City to me is, is the best team in the league. Uh, if they stay healthy – they roll to a 14-2 and two season. Uh, I think that they, at the very minimum, get back to the AFC Championship game. I think they host it. I would not be surprised if they went back-to-back. It's not me be getting on the Mahomes train and, and, you know, and loving him up like everybody else is. That has nothing to do with it. I just think 9 of 11 starters back on offense, man, that's just too much talent. You saw it on Thursday night. You add Clyde Edwards and Lair to that, to that offense – now they can run the football. They're more balanced. I, I, they're going to be a tough out no matter what. Uh, I like them against a Chargers team that kind of looked very average against Cincinnati. They should have lost that game. Uh, next we have Ravens at Texans. Baltimore is favored by seven. Who do you got in that one? Uh, I'm actually going to go. You know what? I'm going to change. Give me Baltimore. I had Houston written down. Why don't you just sack up and take Houston? You were going to do it. Do it. You know, I, talked, I talked myself into it earlier. Um, but the more I think about it, their offenses can't keep up with Baltimore's. I don't think so. Uh, I'm going to go with Baltimore, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a closer game than uh, than people think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Houston could give them some problems defensively, but ultimately, this Baltimore team—they can run the football, they can throw the football. Uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't make mistakes. They, they they don't beat themselves. Well, until the playoffs, he saves his mistakes for the playoffs. But right. uh, generally speaking, they're not going to beat themselves. They play quality defense. Defense very quality. I just pulled a Mike Ditka there, by the way. Yeah, they're a quality three phase team. Uh, Houston to me, I like I like trading DeAndre Hopkins. I like Bill O'Brien's attempt to be a more balanced offense, mm-hmm. but. They got to get David Johnson going. They've got to get those receivers going. I like Baltimore in this one. Finally, the Monday night game, the New Orleans Saints travel to Las Vegas to open up the Raiders' new stadium. New Orleans is favored by six. The Raiders, to me, were pretty impressive on Mm -hmm. Sunday offensively. I think this is a team that's going to score a lot of points. Unfortunately, I also think this is a team that's going to give up a lot of points. And so for that reason, I'm taking the Saints in this one to cover as a road favorite. Uh, I like Vegas here for a couple of reasons. One, I believe Mike Thomas is hurt and he's out now. So um, that's a huge factor for them. And you said, you mentioned it, Vegas can score. Um, Harry Ruggs is going to be a beast this year. Um, so I think this one's a shootout. And uh, I like Vegas in their new, uh, their new building. Yeah, you know, again, I mean, there's a lot to like about Vegas. And like I said, I think offensively, they're going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. Question is, are they going to be good enough defensively? Because I think that's going to be the difference as to whether or not they're a playoff team. All right, real quick, three college games here. Uh, I'm going to start with Pitt at uh, Pitt hosting Syracuse. I'm really high on Pat Narduzzi and the Panthers this year. They're favored by 22 points. That's a big number. Syracuse isn't that bad. I think Pittsburgh wins this game, but I'm taking Syracuse if I'm betting it as a road doggy. Uh, my next game is UCF at Georgia Tech. Uh, UCF is favored by seven and a half, which is pretty bold considering Georgia Tech yeah. won at Florida State last week. I know that that's not as big a win as it used to be, but it's still a pretty big win. Um, despite that, uh, this UCF offense is lethal. I, I'm picking them to cover uh, at Georgia Tech. And uh, finally, Miami at Louisville. Number 17, Miami goes to number 14, Louisville. Uh, Louisville is favored by two and a half. I'm going to go with the Cardinals at home. I didn't see enough from Manny Diaz's bunch, 
uh, on Thursday night to think that Miami's turned any kind of a corner. I'm picking Louisville in this one. I like them as a home favorite. Who do you got? Uh, first game, we're going to go with BC. I do like them covering against Duke. Um, I'm looking at it now. I see five and a half, but I've seen anywhere between six and like four and a half. But either way, I do think they cover. Um, trying to think now. Give me Notre Dame as well. Minus 26, I believe, uh, against USF. I think they kind of have a bounce back week. Kelly's probably not happy that Duke was that close. Um, I think they wrote USF. Uh, and give me North Carolina as well. Uh, they are minus 30 against Charlotte. Uh, I think they also, um, they're yeah. going to be this year. Um, they're going to be very good. Sam Howell, to me, could position himself to be the number one pick in the 2022 draft. Yeah, and right now, uh, looking at ESPN, they're 12th in the country right now, North Carolina. So um, They're very good. Look, look, minus 30 is an outrageous number. It is Charlotte. Um, and if they are, you know, if they're a, a top 15 team, that's the kind of game you win by 30. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's get into our DFS picks here as we wrap this puppy up. My DFS picks for this week, I like running back Antonio Gibson of the Redskins against Arizona. I think he's a dynamic back who can do a lot of different things, both as a runner and in the passing game. I also like the Seahawks' defense, despite the fact that they gave up 450 yards passing last week to Atlanta. This Patriots team doesn't throw the football nearly as well. I like the Seahawks' defense against what appears to be a one-dimensional Patriots offense. What are your DFS picks for this week? So real quick, did we pick the Patriots game? We did not. We we did not. Good remembering. We probably should do that. Uh, 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 give me your DFS picks first, and then we'll do the Patriots. Uh, so first I'm going to take Scotty Miller, uh, the new Wes Welker or Julian Edelman in Tom Brady's life. Uh, I happened to pick him up before week one, uh, and he went off last week. So I think he's going to be huge all year. If you just looked at him for even, you know, two or three throws the other night, he literally is most Smoker or Julian Edelman reincarnated. So He's a tremendous route runner. Yeah, it's it, he's quick too. Um, so I like him this week. And I actually love Aaron Rodgers, your boy. Um, I think he's going to just – he had a great week last week. And that I thought that Minnesota, Minnesota defense was good. So uh, at Lambeau, still some nice weather. I think he routes Detroit. Yeah, well, he looks like a man on a mission. And let's not forget, with Aaron Rodgers, if he's healthy and the pieces around him are good, he's as good as anybody that's ever played the position. So Mm -hmm. he could be poised for a monster year. And, again, for me, when you look at Green Bay, offensively, I know that when you look at them at wide receiver, you say, well, they have Devontae Adams and who else? I think Alan Lazard – Market, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Mm-hmm. I think these guys could have a, a big year for them, and they're going to run the football. They have three good backs, so I think they'll be fine offensively. I think the question is that defense. That defense is still awfully generous. Now, you mentioned the Patriots. Boo on us for missing that. I drive this ship. That's my fault. I just nicked the iceberg. Uh, Seattle is favored at home by three and a half. I'm going to let you go first. Who do you got? Who you got? Who you got? I'm going to go to Seattle here. I mean, um, after watching that offense the other day, again, it was against Miami. I just don't know how they score against Seattle without throwing the ball, and I don't think they can. So uh, I do think this defense keeps it somewhat close. Um, I'm going to say, like, I don't know, 24-17-ish. But I I just think Seattle's – they're a better team right now. This one's a tough one because, yes, I agree with you. I think Seattle is the better team. I'm going to reluctantly pick them, and it's a tough one because they're only favored by three and a half. So it's not a big number if if you take them as a home favorite. Um, I think it'll be a close game. I think New England's ability to run the football will keep them in the game, but ultimately their inability to consistently throw the football I think is going to be their bugaboo. Reluctantly, I'm going with Seattle as a home favorite in this one. All right. Well, that's it for this week's show. And by the way, we were we went way over this week, my friend. I just noticed that. Yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta pair this thing back. Uh, but as always you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find Kevin at Kstone06. You can find me at UFTBJ. For Kevin Stone, I'm John Serenitas. Until next week, peace. See ya.